how to win the internal battle against yourself, why she left her comfortable job after 10 years of doing it, how to overcome a lack of self-confidence, the importance of a steady diet of belief and motivation, how to decide whether or not you should pursue that hunch that you have about something, how to fend off perfectionism, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 417 with a powerhouse health entrepreneur and high-performance coach, Brooke Hemingway. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe the path to getting closer to the best version of yourself is different for all of us, but it follows the same framework. You see, our lives have six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we wanna be managing all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you wanna learn how to do this, then check out my free Best You Planner and video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Are y'all ready to get fired up today? If so, then get ready for this one. If not, well, sorry, you're gonna get fired up during this one. Today, I am super pumped to introduce you to Brooke Hemingway. Brooke is a powerhouse health entrepreneur, high performance coach, and mom of six kids under 15 years old. She loves empowering others to overcome obstacles, real or imagined, and develop habits that are unstoppable and make their unique, powerful impact on the world. For her, it's about having it all. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Brooke Hemingway. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I'm really excited today to be joined by the one and only Brooke Hemingway. Brooke, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Hey, I'm stoked to be here. Excited to have a great conversation today. Yeah, no doubt. I know that a lot of our values align, and I, I love how one of the things that you believe so strongly in when it comes to your overall health is that mindset is one of the initial things that you have to get right before kind of taking to the next step. And uh, But I appreciate you joining from Hawaii. And I'm actually interested to get into the conversation around your move when you're 18, but I don't, I don't want to quite start, start there. I want to start with a little bit more of your story and, and who you are from more of the professional standpoint. So for 10 years, you're in intensive care a nurse and and kind of also for a couple of decades you were a physical trainer a fitness trainer and you talk about how you and your husband who was a physician and and made decent money and you guys had five kids at the time you were you know and quote living a really great life but there was just something that wasn't there for you and so you kind of made this transition and you had some some health issues as well so talk to us a little bit about how you made the transition from being an intensive care nurse to what you're currently doing now. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of been around the map. Like when I first went to college, I was like, I'm going to be a Broadway singer. And I was a voice uh, major and I was a soprano and, you know, used 
to just enjoy singing. I was going to sing on Broadway, completely different, but I've always been really physically active, ran cross country in college. And uh, when we moved to San Diego years and years ago, I found myself in a place where I was working before I went back to college. And I ended up working at a 24-hour fitness and they were looking for fitness instructors. And I was like, okay, I'll audition. And so that was that was 24 years ago. I auditioned to be a step aerobics instructor. And so I started working in the gym setting. <clears throat> Found that I had a real passion for inspiring people, motivating people, uh, helping women specifically to take care of themselves. This is long before I had my six kids, but I just really got a high off of encouraging people and inspiring them to take care of themselves. And so I did that in the physical realm, went on to get my degree in kinesiology from SDSU, San Diego State University, and uh, worked basically as a trainer and a fitness instructor for several years. And I personally got to a place where, you know, like when you're growing up, as you're getting older and you're like, I guess I should grow up. I should do something like really responsible. And my husband was a resident at the time. And I was like, this is actually pretty interesting. I guess I'll make a grown up choice and I'll get a degree and I'll go and be a nurse because that felt like a very grown up choice. It felt very safe. It also felt like, okay, one day we're going to have kids. And we had been married eight years before we had any kids, which is not traditional. Most people get married, have kids. I always tell people we got married and we had to grow up and we had to like develop our relationship, like each other, and just get to the place where we could bring humans into the world. So I had all this time and I was like, I better make a grown up choice. I'll go back and get a degree in nursing went back and I did an intensive one year, three semesters, bada bing, bada boom, bachelor's in nursing, went wow. on to work in one of the hardest ICUs in the country. It was a cardiothoracic ICU at UCLA, you know, cracked chest, transplants, all the things. I, just, I like hard things. I like things to be difficult. I just tend to gravitate towards that. So I took that job and I worked as an ICU nurse for about 10 years and I realized over time that it wasn't actually my passion. It just seemed like a safe, responsible thing to do. I was raised in a very traditional household and religion, and I really appreciate, love that. I have nothing bad to say about that. But sometimes as a woman, when you're raised really traditionally, you don't go the path of your dreams and your desires and what really lights you up. You go instead in the path of practicality, like these are good working hours for moms and this is responsible. And finally, after 10 years, I was like, I got to stop doing this. This is sucking the life out of me. It's not my passion. I have so much respect for nurses and nursing and, and medical care and all of that, but it just wasn't my passion. So that was about seven and a half years ago. I was pregnant with my fifth and I was exhausted and I was ready to walk away from nursing. And I did. That was uh, seven and a half years ago. I didn't have any other plan. Honestly, I was like, I'm tapped out. I got all these humans, like nine and under five kids. I don't have room on my plate for anything else. I felt like I had been kind of zapped of all of my creativity and all of my drive. And I, I just felt like, I don't know, I guess I was just going to be a mom. I was just going to stay home. The only problem was I had a fantastic life. Like you mentioned, I have a husband that loves me. He made great money as a physician. We had just built our dream house in Hawaii. Most people would salivate over this and be like, Hawaii? dream house, your husband making all this money. The only problem was I felt really empty inside. 
And I felt miserable in a lot of ways. And I loved my family, but there was that creative part of me, that contributing part of me, that impact part of me that knew I was doing good work, of course, raising great human beings and kids. But also I felt like there was something more. And I didn't know what that was. And I'm still on the journey. I think we're all still on the journey. I'm sure you're on the journey trying to kind of figure out, okay, exactly where am I going? Like, what am I doing? But I just knew I needed something. At the same time, I was also struggling a ton uh, with my mental health, um, anxiety, postpartum depression, things that maybe some of your listeners are familiar with. If you're not a woman, anxiety and depression. I mean, men equally struggle with those things. My own father had, you know, major depressive disorder, um, energy, just so tired all the time and feeling like my body was failing me, feeling like I knew all the things to do. And obviously with this background in fitness and health and like, I knew what to do and I was doing so many of the right things, but I literally didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. I was exhausted. And so I found myself just kind of looking for answers. Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to live the next 20 years of my life this way. So that's how I stumbled into what I do now, which is I get to empower people through healing their gut, getting healthy from the inside out. It's more of a root healing approach as opposed to a Western medicine approach. Um, I think that both have a place and we need both at different times. But I found for me that more of a natural route was more in alignment with what I believed as far as like moving, eating healthy foods, supplementing, take care of your gut health, your stress all that kind of stuff. So my journey of struggling with mental health, energy, and feeling like my body was failing me, paired with the fact that I had finally decided to walk away from something that wasn't my passion, led to the opportunity where I actually had the time and the capacity to take something else on. Mm-hmm. So that's in a nutshell, you know, my story of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. That was uh, very well, very well said and very well depicted. I'm interested in going back to, yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years. I realize it's not my calling and and you stop it without really a plan, right? And you were lucky enough to be in a place where you guys were financially okay. And, and a lot of people don't necessarily uh, have that fortunate ability. Do you feel like you wish you would have jumped ship, if you will, sooner? Or do you think that it needed to draw out that long? Like, do you have any sort of, you know, maybe like regret or like, man, I kind of wish I would have done it sooner? Or did it need to take that much time? And do you did you need to have that much of a low and that much pain to be able to turn it into this big of a high that you've been able to turn it into? I mean, I don't have a lot of regrets. That's one thing about me. And I think the reason I don't have a lot of regrets is because I saw my father regret so much in his life. Like, you know, the last 20, 25 years of his life were just filled with regret for different decisions he'd made or or hadn't made. And so I've consciously in my adulthood not wanted to be someone that lived with regret. So when I look back at the timeline of everything and how it was this circuitous route to what I'm doing right now, I'm actually super grateful for it. And I can see how everything was like perfectly placed in the time that it was. I don't think I would have had the capacity or desire to do what I do now had I not gotten to a place of such a burnout with that and just like having it be crystal clear that that's not what I was supposed to do. Like I knew 
I tried to make it work and I tried to keep, you know, hanging on and working in that field for a long time. I had felt for at least five or six years that I wanted to get out of it and took me a while. But when I did finally walk away from it, I was 100% sure. And I never regretted it. Not for a second. Like I didn't keep my license current. I didn't do any of that. I just, I knew I was done. And I think sometimes you have to get to that point where you just know you're done. And there's no regrets because all of the knowledge I have from that time in my life and what I learned about medicine, like it's honestly been an arsenal for me of power in what I do now because Mm -hmm. I so much like don't believe a lot of the things that I used to believe (laughs) about health that I did back then. And it's just powerful to have both perspectives. So no, like if you're in a place where, you know, maybe you stayed in a relationship too long or you stayed in a career too long, stop beating yourself up. Instead, be like, sweet, what did I learn from that time? And what am I so sure of now? And I was so sure when I walked away from that, that that was the right decision for me. Yeah, well, I think that that last part, what you said, what are you so sure of now? You know, as you said, all of us are always just trying to figure this thing out and trying to continue to gain clarity on what we should do, who we should become, the things we should try. And oftentimes we gain the most clarity by being super, super sure of the fact that we don't need to be doing this anymore. And so I think that a lot of people need to almost do, it's almost hard to say, but they almost need to do the thing that they don't want to do for long enough to where it really hits them hard enough. That's like, I am only crystal clear because this sucks so much. Yeah. I mean, most of us are pretty hard headed and most of us are a little bit rebellious by nature. And I would definitely say that I'm a little bit rebellious by nature and it it takes a while for things to get through to me, but it's okay. Like once I learn a lesson, I learn a lesson like loud and clear. Whereas some people will keep hanging on to something and they'll go their entire life hanging on to something. And for me, it was like, peace out. I'm done with this. And yeah, I did have the security for sure. Like, monetarily, I had the security. You could say that yes and no. I also feel very strongly that nobody should be 100% financially dependent on anyone. Even if you're in a good marriage, a good relationship, things seem awesome. Like, you know, things happen, right? People have heard me talk about this before. So yeah, it was secure for me to do that, but it also for a woman or a man that's depending on someone else, it also feels insecure in a way. Because at least when you have a career and you're doing something, you know, you have that fallback, that thing that you can like fall back on. And so it is a bit of a leap of faith to just be like, you know, peace out to this uh, 60, 70, 80, $100,000 a year that I could be making. So it was a leap of faith for me because I always kept working because of that insecurity I had around money and seeing my own mom get divorced when I was 16 and have to figure out the money thing. And, you know, so yeah, I had the security and I had the luxury to do that, but it's also not as simple as that because emotionally the tie to staying in a line of work or staying in a job, I think a lot of women and men stay in a profession and in a line of work because they want that security because they've experienced insecurity before. And so they're going through the motions, but they're really miserable and they're really dead inside and they can't see that there would be something else for them to do. So they go their entire lives, you know, 40 years working in a profession that didn't bring them any joy. I'm really, really glad I woke up and I was willing to take that leap of faith because I'd never be doing what I'm doing now. 
Yeah, and I think I'm really glad that we're talking further about this because I think a lot of people might see your situation and give themselves an out and gives themselves a reason why not to take the leap of faith. Oh, she had the security. She had the luxury of being financially okay. And and so she had that. I don't. So I can't take the leap of faith myself. But it's like, no, I think a lot of people need to realize that, you know, quote, security, that quote, luxury, that's an external thing that really only helps you so much internally. There's still this internal lack of sense of alignment or a lack of sense of I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that creates insecurity in an inside of you that makes this situation that much more difficult. And so if you're listening to this and you're and you're thinking that, don't use that as an excuse. Don't use that as an out for a reason why you should not take the leap of faith yourself, because it's definitely not one that is helpful to you. And it's not one that's actually valid, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I would say, how's that working for you? Exactly. Like thinking that way about anybody. I mean, how often do we, you know, look at somebody else? And I've done this as well myself. You know, I remember when I started out in business and I started in personal, you know, growth and development. And I I do my own event, you know, once a year now I do a a business and personal growth event. And I remember when I started out thinking, gosh, it must be nice to be some of these personal development people that like don't have kids and don't have a family and like, (laughs) oh, they have it so much easier. And I had to stop myself and be like, I am like literally basically saying that what they've done is not awesome. And what they've done is awesome. Like everybody has their own set of challenges, whether you have kids, don't have kids, have a supportive spouse, don't have a supportive spouse. Like sometimes everything on paper looks really good. Like in my situation, you know, my husband made great money. You know, we were financially secure. We had med school debt and, and home debt and like normal things that people have, but you know, we weren't struggling by any any sense to the word. So my particular challenge wasn't necessarily that. My particular challenge was how I felt about myself, the lack of confidence, like lack of belief. So for some people, it's not an external thing. It's more of an internal battle. And, And for other people, like they are just born with that confidence and they think they can do anything. Like I always tell the story about my sister, you know, growing up, she had so much confidence and she just thought she was an amazing singer. Like she's literally tone deaf, like literally tone deaf. And she would like audition for singing parts. And I, I had a beautiful singing voice and I would get so nervous. I get up to sing an audition and my head would start to shake. Like you could like visibly see my head shaking. And I, I quit pursuing that route of singing on Broadway and doing that, which I loved because I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the belief in myself. I couldn't manage my emotional home. I couldn't manage my anxiety. I didn't have the confidence. So for me, the battle has been more internal than it has external. And there have been external forces and opposition, of course. But I would just say, like, if you're trying to compare yourself to somebody else, how's that working for you? How's that helping you? Like, is it helping you to get farther along? Like, it doesn't even really matter what anybody else is doing or what anybody else's situation is like. Like, what's going to help you to get to where you want to be? And I will tell you that thinking about how somebody has it so much better is never going to help you get to where you want to be or to be the best you. And it could be very valid. They could have it a lot better than you. They could have situations or circumstance could be better than you. But like you said, it's it's not going to help. And But then I think like, I think there is almost a small role in comparing to others in the sense that 
knowing that there is somebody out there who has it 10 times worse than you, who has their circumstances 10 times worse than you, and they're trying to do this and they have done the same exact thing and 10 times more than where you're currently at. And so I think from that standpoint, that realization and getting to that place of humility is really important. So let's talk about how you kind of went into this new career and you've kind of started to build this business, having no kind of really business background or anything like that in the past. What were some of the things that you had to overcome confidence-wise and how did you overcome it confidence-wise stepping into a territory where you didn't really have too much prior knowledge or experience in? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any knowledge or experience in marketing or social media or content creation or writing captions or leading women. I primarily lead women. I have about 30,000 people in my organization. And it was all new to me, not to mention I'm an introvert, but I am a total introvert, which people would be surprised to hear about me, but I recharge by being by myself and, you know, being in front of a lot of people and having to learn how to speak and having to learn how to use social media from how to tag somebody on Facebook, how to start a Facebook group, how to use Instagram. I wasn't even on Instagram when I started my business. Um, I didn't get on Instagram until maybe four years ago, right? And so everything to me was new. And when you don't have a lot of confidence, that is even harder because I don't know if anybody listening is like this, but I want to be the best at something. I want to be really good at something. I don't want to suck at anything. Like I want to walk in and be really good at it. And if I can't be good at it, I don't want to do it. And so, you know, that can be a weakness sometimes, but also I think for me, it was a driver, like my desire to be the best at something and to be really, really good at something helped me to step up and to learn the things faster, to -hmm. learn how to market, to learn how to use social media, because I really didn't want to suck for a long period of time. I wanted to get good at it quickly. And I think that repetition of everything that I had to do to learn all the skills to grow a business and to grow social media, like that repetition helped me to gain the confidence because competence breeds confidence. And so if you really want to grow your confidence, you have to put the work in to grow your confidence. I think there's a lot of talk and a lot of pep talks and pump you up talks and you're worth it. You can do it. You're amazing. And it's like, yeah, all those things are true. Absolutely. You're worthy. You can do it. I believe in you, but it doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. It matters what you actually know. And you know, if you're putting in the human hours to become an expert, you know, if you're putting in the practice to become competent at something. And if you're not, you can't BS yourself. And because you can't BS yourself, your confidence is going to suffer. And so I really do feel like you have to put in the time the 10,000 hour rule, it's real. And so a lot of my confidence came from the fact that I put in the time. It didn't just happen for me. Nobody showed up to rescue me and teach me how to do all these things. I sat at my computer while I was nursing a baby at midnight, waiting for my husband to come home from an ER shift, figuring out how to do this thing on social media or how to close with confidence. And like, I was just a consummate student. I was like, Hey, I don't want to quit this thing. I don't want to feel like I suck. I want to have confidence. So I'm going to, I'm going to become the best. 
Like yeah. I'm going to just get so good. And it doesn't matter that I've got a toddler and I've got a nursing baby and I've got like three other humans that are little that have homework and all this other stuff. It was crazy. But all those hours that I put in, in the midst of raising babies made me feel confident in my ability. I knew what yeah. I was talking about and I knew how to show other people to do it. And so I think for me, that was number one. But number two, for my confidence, I relied a lot on listening to the words of other people. Like I was the girl that was always listening to podcasts and and reading books and listening to Les Brown on YouTube. I was like eating up all the things, right? You're kind of laughing there. But like when you're somebody that doesn't really believe in yourself, and you don't have experience at something like your lifeline is listening to those people that are like, you got this, you can do it. Like, just, just believe, you know, you got to be hungry, right? It's like listening to all this stuff, all the mashups on YouTube. Like I was that girl, I'd go out like pregnant with my sixth baby. Like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm like 40 and I think I can be a multimillionaire and I can do this and I can do that. This is crazy. Oh, I must need to go on a walk and I need to listen to something. I need to have a steady diet of positivity going into me, a steady diet of belief going into me. Like that was so crucial to me building my belief and my confidence in myself. I'm so grateful for people that put content out there for free on the internet. Like it's there for you for free. Don't wait for anybody to get it for you. Go search it. And those were the two things that really built my confidence and allowed me to be where I am today. That was so great. You guys need to go back and and rewind that and, and really take that to heart, building confidence through competence. Like you said, you can listen to as many pump up videos as you want, but at the end of the day, if you don't start taking steps, if you don't start making progress, you're never gonna truly have belief and confidence in yourself. And I, I really love the second part too. I was laughing because I've, I'm the same way. I always, at least one time a day, I feel like watch or listen to some kind of you know motivational video or it's... Uh, you know, practical video where I'm learning and, and educating myself. And one of the guys you've probably listened to, Zig Ziglar, he, the fu- funny things that he says is motivation is like showering. You got to do it every single day. I think a lot of people, they wonder why they're not motivated. And I'm like, okay, have you been, what have you been doing to get motivated? And they're not actually doing anything. And so it's like, okay, I can only be so empathetic with you if you're not doing anything to help yourself, right? Like stand guard at the door of your mind is Jim Rohn's. Yeah. I'm in the shower listening to it. Okay. Like I got the iPhone up on the window. That should like, almost be the rule. You can only shower if you're listening to motivation. <laughs> the shower is like the perfect net time, right? The no yeah. extra time. It's like, I got 10 minutes in there. What can I listen to that's going to pump me up? Right? Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. Yeah. Don't expect to have confidence if you're not trying to grow your own competence and taking action and you're, and don't expect to have confidence if you, if you're not getting a good steady dose of what'd you say a steady a steady diet of belief going into you that was that was so good one of the things I want to go back to you mentioned how you have this desire to be the best at something and sometimes that's a downside but sometimes it's a really good thing because it drove you to really work your butt off and, and learn and, and take these action steps that you kind of just talked about. However, oftentimes the thing that is one of our biggest strengths is at the same time potentially one of our biggest weaknesses. So uh, question for you is, is there anything that you're not doing right now that maybe you should be doing, but 
you're not doing it because you are not currently the best at it or because you're not currently very good at it. Uh, I haven't started a podcast. That's one thing. Like I, for probably a year, year and a half, I've been like, I should start a podcast. And I've got great friends like Amberly Lago and like all these other people are like, oh, you need a podcast. Why don't you have a podcast? And it's like kind of one of those hurdles that I'm like, uh, but like there's so many things. And if I'm going to do a podcast, I want it to be amazing. And I want to like come out the gates, like crushing it, you know? And yeah, I mean, there are definitely things that I haven't done or things that I've avoided because it takes a lot of activation energy. Yeah. And because I want to be the best, I worry about not producing something that's really amazing. And, you know, part of that comes from a drive to want to be the best, but also the other part of it, which I think is a good part of it is like, if I'm going to do something, I want it to absolutely be worth my time because time is like sacred and time is precious. Yeah. And so, you know, as a mom of six kids, it's like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it really, really well because anything I decide to do means I'm taking X amount of time from seven humans that I love my six kids and my yeah. husband. And so yeah, there's a bit of avoidance there because I want to be the best, but then it's mixed with this. Yeah, I want to be the best. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not going to be the yeah. best podcaster, but the best version of what I can be, the best right. podcaster I can be. And if I'm going to do it, I don't want to do it halfway because it is going to take time, energy, and attention away from these people that are so precious to me. Yeah. And so, do you think uh, I really like this conversation because I know so many people are in the same space? similar spot that you are, whether, whether it's starting a podcast or, or doing anything because they're scared that they're not going to be able to do it as well as maybe they want to be able to do it. And maybe it's, and I'm not going to be doing it well. And it's going to detract my time, energy, and attention away from the things that I really want to do. So what does it take to actually, you know, come up with a decision? Does it take weighing the pros and cons of, of the time allocation versus the production that it's going to give you and the outcome that it's going to give you? Is that what it kind of takes to determine whether or not the action should be taken? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Uh, my name's Angela, and I joined because I am training for a half marathon, and I wanted something to kind of complement that training. So overall, I think I've lost 12 pounds, but more than that, uh, just gained a lot of confidence, kind of gotten out of my comfort zone to push myself. That was also part of the reason why I joined. Like, I did want to get out of my comfort zone, um, but I would just say the people, and it's been great. I mean, my mom did always teach me, you know, make a list of pros and cons. Like anytime I'd have a hard time making a decision, she'd be like, make a list of pros and cons. Is that what I actually do all the time now? No. I coach people to do that if they're really stuck and they can't make a decision. Okay. What are the pros and cons? But really the way that my life has operated over the last six years as an entrepreneur is when I feel a really strong impression and intuition to do something, I try to shorten the lag time. So I shorten that gap time, impression, action, instead of impression, 
action, right? And so I feel like for me, it's like the idea of a podcast, for example, there's a lot of great ideas, right? A lot of great ideas of things that you should do or could do, but just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do it. And so I would have you think about what are the really strong impressions you have, the really strong downloads, intuition, spirit, whatever you call it. When I get an impression, an intuition, a download, and it is strong, I am the girl that acts. Like I act. When I decided to do my live event, it was like I was at a conference. I told my assistant, we're going to do this. Within like five days, we had the hotel booked. We had some of the speakers booked. Like it was like, I think you know. I think you know when you're really supposed to do something. And the activity of the pros and the cons and everything that you're doing in that moment, that's just a delay. That's just a procrastination. That's just an avoidance. I think sometimes we actually just know in our spirit and in our heart. And if you do, I would encourage you to shorten the time between impression and action and just trust that, hey, if you take action on an impression and it doesn't go quite the way that you thought it would go, it's probably getting you that much closer to the direction that you're supposed to go in because you took action. Most people get impression after impression after impression, and they are like literally never taking action and they can't figure out why they're not farther along. I'm this far along because I would get an impression, I would take an action over and over. And sometimes it would go really well and and sometimes it wouldn't. Um, But I do think practically speaking, if you really are in this place of wanting to be mindful and wanting to make sure that you are spending your time wisely on the projects that matter to you, doing a pros and cons and and asking yourself, what is my greatest goal? What is the biggest thing that I want to do? Like, what what is that big goal that I want to do? And to saying yes to this, support that or not. And if it doesn't support what my ultimate goal is, even if it's a good thing, a nice thing, a charitable thing, an awesome opportunity, if it doesn't support my ultimate goal directly or, you know, indirectly through relationship or whatever, I'm going to have to say no to that. And I've learned how to say no to a lot of things over the years. I used to be a yes woman, like yes to everything, need me to do this, that, whatever, like right? Women, we're supposed to serve and say yes and do all the things. And I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm saying yes to so many things that are not contributing to what I know my highest calling is and what I'm supposed to do. And it's stopping me from getting there. No, I I love the way that you broke it down because there are times when the impression is strong enough that like you said, the action needs to be in close proximity to the impression. But Sometimes you you want to take your time on on taking the action on the impression because you're not really sure because as you said there's infinite number of things that you could do um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it and so I think those were some great uh, practical things to think about and to be aware of if you're in a similar situation uh, I want to get on just a couple more questions before the last one and the first one is now you're doing these you know these conferences with uh, with a lot of women. And they are very personal growth and oriented, which is everybody who listens to this podcast as well. You wouldn't listen to the Best You podcast if you weren't trying to grow and, and improve yourself. What do you continually see as maybe the top frustration, the top issue or concern that people are coming into maybe the conferences with? Well, it is mostly women. I do get a few brave men there and they always love it. Like, they 
go nuts over it. And this last year, a couple of the guys that were like, I'm bringing all my friends next year. I'm like, all right, you know, (laughs) I have about a 50, 50 split with male and female speakers, but it does tend to be mostly women. I think that the biggest thing that I see is that people don't give themselves permission to go after the thing that they really want. It's like they have this this desire, this strong feeling about something that they're supposed to do or create or a goal that they're supposed to go after or a level of success or accomplishment or achievement in something that they really, they can't get out of their head. And there's this deep, deep part of them that really wants to do it, but they don't ever fully unleash. They keep putting their foot on the brakes. It's like a Ferrari with the emergency brake on. They have all of this inspiration, excitement, like this, this feeling, this passion, but they just keep putting the brakes on and they don't actually let themselves go. And I think it's a couple of things that I see commonly hold them back. I think a lot of it is in relationship. A lot of these people are in relationships. And so I do feel that there's a big gap in communication for couples I feel there's there's a big need for people to have assistance with communication and how to navigate in relationship where you're going on this personal growth journey or this entrepreneurial journey, and it's a departure from what you had been doing. And so I think a lot of people lack the communication skills to be able to communicate their needs and their desires that will then allow them to just be able to go for it. I think the second problem is just this intense fear that people have, just this fear of, you know, what if I do it and I don't succeed? What if I do it and I embarrass myself? What if I do it and -and so-and-so, you know, says something horrible about me? Or what if I put all of this work and effort into it and it doesn't produce anything What if the opportunity cost is too high, meaning I put so much time into it that my family suffers or my relationship suffers? It's like this whole host of fears that just builds this wall up around them that does not allow them to unleash their full potential and what they really want to do. So I see that. I just see so many people holding themselves back. And it's one of the reasons why I I created the Align event because I did the same thing to myself. I was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm in my 40s. I have all these kids. It's like I'm doing life in reverse. I should really be totally focused on my kids and my family. But I have this pull, this desire, this thing I know I'm supposed to do. And I put the brakes on my Ferrari for a long time. And then finally, I was like, woohoo, top down. Here we go. And it's so free. It's it's so freeing, but it took a lot of conversations, a lot of communication with my husband, lots of communication with my kids and fighting for what I wanted and helping them to understand and kind of rewriting some of the rules or norms in our house. And I had to fight for that. I had to work for that. And that's why I'm passionate about it because I feel like there's so many incredible human beings, like women, men, et cetera, so many incredible human beings that live their whole life with this like huge dream inside of them and they just continually hold themselves back. So we try to set people free. Like I try to set them free. I think I'm, that was awesome. That was so great. And I want to, I'm going to ask another question too, but the communication aspect of it, I can't speak to it because I'm not married or anything like that. So what are some of the things that maybe you did or what are the, some of the certain things that you know people have done that, helps that communication aspect with their significant other so that they can depart into that personal growth journey and so that it can maybe 
take on the thing that their heart desires for them to do? Oh, my number one tip is patience, Mm. which might not be what you want to hear, but patience is like, you have to have a certain amount of compassion and patience with your partner when you're changing. And I think what Mm. happens is a lot of people get really pissed off and frustrated. They're like, you should support me. Don't be such a pig. Like I can do whatever I want to do. And it's like, yeah, of course, sis, like you can do whatever you want to do, but you are in relationship. And this person had an existing agreement with you. And now you're changing the agreement Mm. and things are shifting. And like, you can either be, have a pissed off energy or you can be like, I can totally see how I'm triggering some fears in him. I can totally see how I'm shifting the agreement. I can have compassion for that. Like this is a change for him as much as it is for me. So I think patience if they tend to not be supportive, if they say something that might be triggering to you, like understanding that that's a fear-based response. So I think on your part, having patience, I think it's really important in relationship to make time and make effort to do some of the same things you've always done. So a lot of times when you're on an entrepreneurial journey or you are changing, you're up-leveling, you're growing. It's like you start to depart from all of those comforts that they liked. So for example, I hardly cook anymore. I used to cook every meal, wipe every butt, fold all the laundry, do everything. I don't do any dishes anymore. I don't sweep. I almost never cook. My kids are trained to do that. My husband does most of that. But like last night and on his birthday the night before, guess who cooked? Like I cooked, I put the gypsy Kings on, like I did the cute birthday. I took two hours to make this like birthday sign and hang streamers and like be stay at home mom, Brooke. Like I took a couple hours and I could be like, oh my gosh, that's so not feminist. And I'm like, dude, that's just my feminine energy. I'm just showing love. Like I'm showing up as, you know, he likes all versions of me, but they want to still play with like the person that they, they had that would make him dinner or have a bath or whatever. And so I think it's important to bring those elements into your relationship. And we're huge believers in walk and talks. We take walks and we talk almost every day. We take a walk and we talk. And so we stay connected through talking and it might be talking about business ideas because he has a podcast and he has a book and, you know, things like that, that, you know, maybe we'll talk about his stuff or we'll talk about my stuff or we'll talk about some problems with one of our kids or we'll dream about a trip we want to take to Italy because we want to do that this year, you know? So it's just like little things, like we just take a little bit of time for each other. And when we stopped doing that, we had a big blow up four years ago that almost ended in not a great way because we had stopped doing those little things like dating each other and taking walks and talking and having patience with each other and bringing back elements of the old us that was just like, I see you. I know you love this. So. Yeah, that's so good. The the two things you said there, patience. Uh, I think oftentimes it can be easy to feel like you're restricted by the significant other, but, but realizing and giving them grace that, Hey, you know, you are doing this thing. That's a little bit new. And so it's no wonder why they might be feeling a little bit uneasy because of it. And like you said, ease their uneasiness by doing some of the things that you have always done in the past to make them know, because, you know, a lot of times I feel like the fear would be this person is changing and this, I don't know this person anymore, but if they continue to do things that you know, the quote older version or past version of them used to do, then that gives them comfort that, oh, I, I, I do still know this person. This person is the person that I fell in love with. So I think that's really great. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ever ask you a, a health question or anything on this. So well, I think I saw a couple of days ago on your Instagram story about 
like making birthday cake and like your approach towards sweets and, 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 and things of that nature to not feel like you have to go all or nothing. And so just talk to us just real quickly about kind of your approach towards things like sweets and thing and, and not depriving yourself to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you, I have a big background in health and wellness, right? It's like really my passion. I tell people I started out in health and wellness, then I went in sickness and now I'm in health and wellness. I've come full circle <laughs> and this is like really my jam. I'm really passionate about health. It, it helps that my husband and I are on the same page there and we're both passionate about those things. But I also come from a background of um, struggling with perfectionism and not loving myself and trying, you know, when I was a teenager to like experimenting with eating disorder habits and things like that. And I was a gymnast and, you know, just anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff. And so it's really important to me to take an attitude of moderation. I think it's the healthiest attitude. And I started doing this about four years ago. I call it six for six. And really it's just a non-perfectionist commitment to moving my body and it's 20 minutes a day, six days a week. It's not seven days a week because if I did seven for seven, that would really reek of perfectionism to me. And I would beat myself up if I didn't exercise and work out seven days. 20 minutes might seem really small and like insignificant. But the fact is that most of you that are listening to this, even if you are fit, you're probably not exercising six days a week. And by committing to 20 minutes and not saying it has to be high intensity, it has to be, I have to work up a super big sweat like just no 20 minutes I move that also releases the perfectionism and it makes it more enjoyable and so over the last four years I've committed to this because I had gotten into a place where I had stopped taking care of myself and I think we all go through seasons of that in our lives and maybe it's something happens or or the last couple years were just a crap show or whatever is like try six for six just say to yourself I love myself enough I'm going to commit to myself 20 minutes a day. And what it did is it helped me to have a healthy relationship with my body, with exercise again. Truth is, I usually work out harder and longer than 20 minutes, but it's it's not perfectionism. It's a healthy relationship with your body. I feel the same about food. Like in our house, we don't restrict we don't not let our kids eat certain things. We don't not let ourselves eat certain things. But what we are more aware of, which I wish the whole world was aware of, was just quality of ingredients, the type of food you're putting into your body. Like you, I don't diet. I don't count calories. I don't do anything. I'm the same size I was before I had six kids when I got married 24 years ago. The reason why is because I move my body every day. It's not because I'm on a diet. It's because we eat real foods. We eat real fats. That's like butter and ghee and olive oil and avocado oil and macadamia nuts. And I don't count fat. I don't count calories, but I eat real food. And so when you can focus on eating real foods, which is like the perimeter of the grocery store and mostly avoiding the aisles, right? You know, I mean, this is probably what you preach all the time. It's like, there's so much good food there and you can eat pretty much whatever you want that's on the perimeter that's real food. And it's just so healing to have a positive relationship with food as opposed to a negative relationship. So me focusing on real foods and focusing on six for six has allowed me to be, you know, next month I'll be 44, 44 with six kids and in the best shape of my life and healthier than I've ever been. And not only that, like, I just feel good and I'm not critical of myself and I don't beat myself up if 
I have a chocolate cake three nights in a row from the chocolate cake that I made for my husband's birthday. It's like, sweet, we have chocolate cake. I made it from scratch. Like, I'm going to enjoy it while we have it. I don't make chocolate cake every night, but life is about living and enjoying. And I don't want to be on a diet. I don't want to hate my body. You can't hate yourself into change. You have to love yourself into change. And so six for six was about respecting myself, building trust with myself, forming a habit, loving my body enough to move my body every day. Eating real food was about loving my body because when I eat crap, I feel inflamed and I feel like crap and it's not loving my body. So I've loved myself into a lot of good change over the last six and a half years. Yeah. Well, like you said, those are, those are all great things and definitely things that are simplistic in nature and, and just maybe a little bit harder to apply, but it just takes a little bit of, just takes a little bit of a muscle and takes a little bit of deliberate action and preparation on a daily basis. But we could talk forever. This has been so much fun. I feel like me and me and you are on the same wavelength and on a lot of different areas. But uh, before I ask the last question here, Brooke, I just want to acknowledge you for taking the leap of faith back a number of years ago now for making the decision that, you know what? I'm not going to be doing this anymore. I'm not going to put myself through the lack of energy, the frustration, the pain, if you will, of going through this. And I know I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to stop doing this because I know this is not what I want to do. And then I'm going to figure it out. And, and it presented itself to you and and you've continued to make the most of the situation from there on out. And there's just so many other great things that you share today. And I just appreciate all the words of wisdom and words of experience uh, that you've shared to, that I know so many people have gotten great value from. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Of course. Of course. Well, I know that so many people here are going to want to go follow you and learn more about you. So if you guys don't follow her on Instagram, make sure you go follow her at Hemingway Half Dozen. And also you can follow uh, her business and and her retreat at Align for Success. And you can also go to her website, brooke-hemingway.com. And I'll have all that linked up in the show notes for sure. Is there any other good place where people should go follow you and learn more? I think those are the best places. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on LinkedIn. I have a profile there, but man, there's just like so many platforms. I'm like, I got to just focus in. You don't have LinkedIn. You don't have a podcast. Come on. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm working on it. My my coaching community is coming out this summer and, uh, and I will have a members only podcast within that community. And that is my little like baby step into the podcast. Boom. Yeah. Boom. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Well, last question. Last question here, Brooke, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey. I don't think we ever get to that best version, but I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So with that said, the question is for you personally, if there are three things that Brooke Hemingway could currently do and three things that Brooke Hemingway could currently work on to get closer to that best version of yourself that you could possibly be, then what are those three things you could currently do or currently work on? The first thing, which is actually my word for the year is listen. And I think this is a good advice for anybody. Uh, Listen to yourself. Sometimes we're really great at listening to all the experts and listening to what everybody else thinks we should do and listening to all the books and we fail to take time to listen to ourselves. So I'm really working hard on listening to myself, my own inner guidance, spirit and intuition to know what I need to do next to become the best version of me. 
The second thing is you really need to surround yourself with trusted mentors and good people that really truly have the best intentions for you. You know who those people are. You can tell who really wants you to succeed and who is just kind of in your circle because they know they can get something from you and maybe you get something from them. And that's really what Marianne Williamson would call an unholy relationship, right? And so you kind of got to start to cut ties with those and like just surround yourself with mentors and people that are like fully in your corner, which means they're also the people that will tell you the truth. They'll tell you when you're not on the right course, or they'll tell you when you're being a douche, or they'll tell you when you're slacking, but they'll also be like, I see this in you. You've got this. I see the bell. You know, those people. So you might be narrowing your circle a little bit, right? That's the second thing. And the third thing for me, I think, is just digging back into my disciplines and my habits. I think that we all, you know, we have these periods where we're really good. We're really like tuned in. We've got, you know, the engine is just, you know, smooth and everything's going along. And then we can hit some speed bumps and we can kind of start to lose some of our habits or some of our discipline. And I think I've gotten in a place and we all get in this place where like things are going pretty good. Like I'm, you know. I'm pretty successful. And we start to kind of cruise a little bit and maybe not be as disciplined or digging into those habits. I don't beat myself up for that. I just am aware when it's time to come back. Right. And I think there's a season for all things. Is it Mm -hmm. a season or is it a problem? If it was just a season and you needed to chill and relax a little bit, like I needed to cool, or is it a problem where you're like on eternal chill mode and you've dropped your habits and then you've dropped your discipline and then you're starting to feel discouraged and unmotivated and like you can't achieve your dreams. So for me, number three is like, I've committed to getting back to solid habits and disciplines because I'm ready, just like so many people listening here to reach my next level. That's awesome. Those are three super solid things and just so many... So many powerful things here today. I know everybody probably took a lot of notes and and if you did not go back and, and take some notes and take the notes right now because you probably had some impressions today that you heard from her that need to be taken action on very close proximity today. And if you give too much time a week from now or even three days from now, you're going to completely forget about it. And if you didn't write it down, then it's not going to happen and you're not going to grow into the person that you could and potentially should become. So if you heard something today that gave you a strong impression, write it down, do something about it. It doesn't need to be a huge step, but do something small and then stack those small steps on top of each other one day after another. Also, again, make sure you go follow her on Instagram at Hemingway Half Dozen and at Align for Success. But Brooke, awesome job today. That was so much fun. Uh, I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I mean, wow, man, I love that episode. I hope y'all loved it even 10% as much as I did. There were so many different words of wisdom and practical tips in there that I hope you took away, like building confidence through competence and listening to others' advice. Be sure you share the episode with a friend or family member. This might be that impression that they need to take action on their dreams. You never know. And you might be able to provide them with that spark. And all you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And remember, confidence does not grow overnight. Confidence can grow through listening to what others have done before you, taking their words of wisdom, taking their advice to heart, and then applying those words into daily disciplines and daily habits that compound your confidence over time. 
And remember, if you're going through a season of your life right now where you're not being quite as disciplined and routine with your habits that you should be, realize it's exactly that. It's a season and you can transform into the next season starting now by taking deliberate action. But for now, y'all, it's time. It's time to show up and show out. It's time. If you got an impression about an idea or a thought today, take action on it sooner rather than later so that it can continue to get you closer and closer to your best you.